The Lord be with you. And welcome to the worship service of Holy Trinity Anglican in Madison, Mississippi. It is a joy to be called into the life of God and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Our prayer is that our hearts and minds are open to receive the Lord. By His Spirit, through His sacraments, and in the hearing of His Word, we are confident the Lord will meet us. So won't you join us? We're praying that you will. Father, we come now to your word. Open our ears to hear. Open our hearts to receive. By the power of your Holy Spirit, transform us in truth and send us forth to make your glory known in all the world. We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. If you have your copy of God's Word, which I trust that you do, uh, we're looking at John chapter 17, and uh, today I, I am going to expand the lectionary reading a little bit. We're going to look at verses 9 through 19, 9 through 19, so get your, get your copy of the Scripture ready, and um, we're going to dive in there in just a second. How many of you have had somebody in your life who is a prayer warrior, who has prayed for you, right? Isn't that a gift? I mean, to have somebody that you know that day after day after day, your name is voiced by them to the Lord God that he might touch your life. I've shared this before, but I can think of no better example uh, my family that I grew up in, my family of origin, we're not particularly Christian. We went to church occasionally. There, there were no real prayer warriors that I know of in my immediate family. But when I was privileged to, to come into Kim's family, we started dating when we were, I was just a teenager, and 19, and um, Kim's grandmother adopted me. When she passed, there was a little notebook that she had. It was a loose-leaf loose notebook. It was her prayer journal. And she had sections. She, there were pastors that she prayed for. There, there were people who were lost that she prayed for. And it was great because she had add more pages and she would add people. And beside the names, there would be dates of when people got saved that she had prayed for for years. There were people who were sick and she marked down the date that they got healed. There, there were, but then there were family. And you know, it, um, it touched me when I read in there, that notebook some of the things that she was praying over me. It meant so much to me to know that grandmother was praying for me. As I've shared with you, one of my great joys is to be the priest of this church. And I pray for every person in this church by name every week. I'm a little bit OCD as my good friend Jim Sally on the front row might tell you. So I, I've actually created a grid. Joanne prints up for me a grid when we print a new directory and I have broken down by the days of the week certain number of families that I pray for every day of the week. Some of you are Monday, some of you are Tuesday, but I get you and you're on my heart. I tell you that not so you'll think very much of me, but I want you to know that you have somebody that is praying for you. Because we all need that. 
But this morning, we're going to look at a prayer of the one who lives to make intercession for us. The Lord Jesus Christ has ascended into heaven and he's standing at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and me. You want to know who's praying for you today? The Lord Jesus is praying for you today. And you know the great thing about his prayers? He knows all that secret stuff that you don't want any of the rest of us to know about. But he's praying for you anyway. Now today we're going to look at a prayer that he prayed over his disciples. And we're picking up in the upper room discourse. We've been in this, this, this passage for, uh, in, this, in this night for several weeks now. If you look at chapters 15, 16, 17 of John, they're all taking place in the upper room the night before Jesus was crucified. He, he's washed their feet. He's instituted the, the Lord's table. He's now about to pray what I like to call the Lord's Prayer. Now, we all call the Our Father the Lord's Prayer, but this one is the one that the Lord God prayed. And he prayed it for us and for his disciples. In chapter 17, verse 1, what's on Jesus' heart is his impending departure. For when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that the son might glorify you. (laughs) What Jesus had on his heart as he was beginning this prayer was he knew that there was coming a moment in the not too distant future where he would no longer be present with those that he loved. Now, sitting on the front row this morning, many of you don't know them, but Jim and Becky Sally, these are the first two people to join our church plant in Blacksburg. In fact, they, they, we joined their church plan, I think. <laughs> we met in their basement. We did Alpha in their house. We did, we walked together. And Jim, Jim was, uh, he, he owned three lube centers. And he, um, he was just the guy doing lube stuff. And he believed the Lord wanted a church in Blacksburg. And so here, here we came. And you know what? The Lord God continued to work and move in Jim's life, and now he's a priest planting a church in West Virginia. But doing life with people that you love is important, and that's why today is so special for me, because there's very few people in the world I love as much as Jim Sally, and we did a lot of life together (laughs) through a lot of hard road, and and it's good to be with people. And Jesus had been with his disciples. He had done life with them. They had been through hardship. They had been through hunger. They had been through trials. And Jesus had walked with them, and they had walked with him, and he had been present in their life, and he was about to be taken away. So he begins to pray. And there are three things that I want you to see from the verses that we're going to look at this morning. He prayed that they would be safe in the world, verses 9 through 12. The second thing he prayed is that they'd be set apart for joy, verses 13 through 16. And third, verses 17 and 18, he prayed that they'd be sanctified for mission. Safe in the world, set apart for joy, sanctified for mission. Let's look together at it. All right, verses 9 through 12. And Jesus says, I'm praying for them, not praying for the world. But I'm praying for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Now, I want you to also drop down to verse 20, because that means he's praying for the disciples. But look at verse 20. 
I do not ask for these only, but for those who will believe in me through their word or through their witness, right? That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I and you, that they also may be in us so that the world might believe that you have sent me. He's praying for those disciples that are immediately present in the upper room. And he's praying by extension to all those who will believe through the word. And what is he praying? Keep them safe. Keep them safe in the world. He says, I'm no longer in the world, but they're in the world and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. He's asking that the Father would protect them just as Jesus had protected them when he was present. He's asking the Father, Father, keep them, hold them, guard them in your name. Why does he say that? Because brothers and sisters, anybody who seeks to follow after Jesus Christ will be what? Persecuted. Jesus didn't say, come and take up your life of ease. He said, come and take up your cross and follow me. As long as we live in this fallen world and as long as we are committed to the Lord God Almighty, the world will not understand us. There will be trouble. There will be trial. There will be turmoil. And the only hope that we have in the midst of this fallen place is a living God. And Jesus pleads with the Father, Father, I'm coming to you, but you keep them safe. Keep them in your name. His plea was for their safety. The second thing is, he said, set them apart for joy. Look at verses 13 and following. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. The first thing I want you to see is that he says, Father, I want you to fill them with my joy. Now, in order to understand this joy, you have to look over to Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two, where Jesus, facing the cross, endures it with joy. He endures the cross for the joy that is set before him. What's the joy of Jesus, that he's gonna get hung on the cross, say no? That's not it. What's the joy for Jesus? That as he endures the cross, as he bears away guilt, as he pays the sin debt, that there will be a people redeemed for God from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. There will be a people of God who will shout to the glory of the Lord that people of every color and every nation and every tongue will sing, worthy is the lamb who was slain, who is set apart for honor and glory and majesty and praise. We'll join the triumph of the song of the seraphim in heaven who say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are full of his glory. Jesus prays that they would know the fullness of joy. Not a life of ease, but the joy of making known the love of God and living the truth of God that the world might know the kingdom 
might dwell in the presence of the living God. You see, the only hope for the world was the church. Just as Jesus came to make known the truth of the gospel to those disciples, he sent them out that the world might know the truth of the gospel, that God loved them, that God paid their debt, that God has poured out his spirit, and that God calls them to walk in grace. Brothers and sisters, this is our gift. This is our joy. It's not easy. Many of you who were founding members of this parish know that when God calls you and sets you out to make him known in a place, it's not without pain. It's not without cost. It doesn't come easy. We have a real enemy, and the battle is real. And every one that God has set his affections upon is one that the devil would like to keep. And so we go forth, not for ease, but with faith. And we believe that the cost is nothing compared to the joy of seeing someone come to Jesus. Someone walk in truth. Someone live in faith. And this is what Jesus wants for you. Don't mistake what he's praying. He's not praying that you'll have it easy. He's praying that you'll know the joy that he knows of seeing the lost found, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. This is what you've given your life to when you follow Jesus. And Jesus is praying, oh God, make them know the joy. Now church, here's what I want to say. Do you know the joy? If you have Christ as your Savior, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, are you seeing the transformation of your life and the transformation of the world? If not, you're missing the joy. If you're not giving yourself to anything that makes it different for the kingdom, you're missing the joy. Whatever you're living for is worthless. It'll pass away. It'll burn up. It doesn't matter. But if you want to know joy, deep down joy, give your life to helping someone fall in love with Jesus. Give your life to the hard work of ministering to the broken, the brokenhearted, the downtrodden, the poor. Give yourself to what Jesus gave himself to, making God's love known. This is the joy that Jesus is praying for. Oh God, fill him with joy. Second thing he says is find him faithful to the truth. God, I've given him your word. Your word is truth. Help them know the joy of living faithfully for me. But the only way they can do that is that they're faithful to the truth. You want to live for joy? Fill your heart with truth. See this book? This is God's word. It's true, cover to cover, even where it says genuine leather. It's truth. Are you hiding it in your heart? Are you daily walking by its light? Are you being ruled by its commands? Are you being guided by its precepts? Precept upon precept upon precept. Are you reading it, marking it, learning it, praying it? That's the only way to know joy. If you're faithful to the truth. Jesus Christ gave us his word. He was the word incarnate and left us the word written that we might walk in the truth. And that's where you find the joy. 
When you walk in the truth, and you, you, then you'll have to be fully, the third thing I want you to see in this, these three verses is they were fully engaged in the world. He said, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, God. I'm not asking you to take them out. I want you to fully engage them in. And you know, we're not all called to stand up here with a, a cassock and surplus with a funny looking collar, but we're all called to be priests of the kingdom. Are you priests of the pipe shop, John David? Incarnating Christ in the pipe shop? When you sell insurance to somebody in need, are you doing it to the glory of God? When you're teaching in the classroom, are you doing it to the glory of God? When you're in the legal office and you're helping people to try to find justice, are you doing it to the glory of God? Whatever you're doing, are you doing it unto God? Are you fully engaged in the world that no matter what your vocation, Christ is seen and known through you by how you work and how you live and what you say because you see, Jesus wanted to permeate the earth with the truth of his love and that's why he sent out people who were fishermen and and tax collectors and all kinds of broken and hurting people just like us into the world who had been touched by him and were transformed by grace and he wanted to say to the world, you too can be transformed. Filled with the truth and fully engaged in the world. Then you'll know the fullness of joy. So set apart for joy. The third thing I want you to see is sanctified for mission. Sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth, and send them into the world. As you have sent me into the world, so I've sent them into the world. This knowing of the truth commands that we not just hide it in our own hearts and live it for our own benefit, but do you realize there are more than a billion people today that don't have access to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you realize that this morning as you and I are sitting here in this beautiful air-conditioned building, there are people around the world that have no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we have brothers and sisters in Myanmar, for example, and other places throughout the world who today will worship the Lord under a tree with AK-47 fire not too distant from them? There's some that'll gather in whatever shade they can find and whatever dirt spot that they can find and they'll open the same book that you and I open and they'll lift their hands in praise and they'll worship the living God because he is worthy of that. Brothers and sisters, we are part of a family that extends to every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. It is our business that everybody have access to what we have access to. It is our business, it is our opportunity, it is our grace to be able to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ across the street or to the end of the earth. And there are people in our city that right now are poor and hungry and in need. Are we loving them? How are we loving them? There are people around the world that have no access to the gospel. How are we giving and how are we going that they might be known? Jesus' prayer was not that we have a comfortable place to sing his praises and wait for him to come back. Jesus wanted us fully engaged in the world. He wanted us on mission for him. He wanted us to know the joy. And the only way we do that is if we are sent, sanctified, washed up, cleaned up, and sent out. 
to do mission. So this morning, I want you to hear what the Jesus is praying. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. I am praying for them, my disciples, that they would be safe in the world, that they would be set apart for joy, that they would be sanctified for mission. Are you? I pray so. And all God's people said, amen. Holy Trinity Anglican is a faith family that seeks to encounter and share the Holy Trinity through worship, community, and mission. We're located at 432 Bozeman Road in Madison, Mississippi, and we invite you to join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.